Your skill's worthy of a general. And if you want to fight, fight with me. One to one, man to man. Much more fair. Agree? Right. Whatever you say. Suits me fine. Hey! Welcome back, people. This is Hands Down Chin Up Radio. It's your boy, Just Lee. I'm uh, sitting here on location at Solar de Cuenca. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but fuck it. <laughs> sitting here with my buddy, uh, Danny Costanzo. Say what's up, Danny. What's up? Um, Danny, you, uh, you're on a bit of a journey, uh, just like most of the people that I brought on this show, and uh, that journey just happens to be fitness. Something that uh, we're both tied to from different perspectives and different ends, but uh, but, I, but I went through my own transformation, and you going through yours. Uh, break it down for us. Break it down. Let's see. It started August first, two thousand and fourteen. Diagnosed with three clogged arteries. Nice. Yeah, real nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that didn't, uh, didn't shock you into a restaurant. <laughs> the news. Yeah, it was it was really really was fucking shocking. The doctors were shocked. I had no chest pains, no shortness of breath. I had uh, boxed that morning for two hours. Um, but I had been. I went back to New York for um, for a funeral. Right. My best friend was killed. So I got that call about two weeks earlier, mid-July. And, uh, you know, of course, this childhood friend, you know, we all grew up together, tons of us. So he was in jail, um, and he was killed in jail. This is, uh, what, early 2000s? 2014. 2014. Yeah, so okay, just wow, two years recently. ago, very recently. So I went back there, and I think what was ha- what started to happen to me was um, I started to get like heavy anxiety. You know, I'd recently, just a few years earlier, my girlfriend died of cancer, so you know, it's just you know, just you know, pull up the death train. Dealing, you know, dealing with a lot of uh, trauma, traumatic. Yeah, like, yeah, quite a bit of loss trauma. of relationships. Exactly. Um, so I think I was always able to kind of deal with the whole death thing, but that started to, you know, I started to get this anxiety and woke up, it was actually a, one night, it was like, uh, I think it was the July 31st, it was like 11 o'clock at night, I'll never forget, I was sitting on my parents' couch, and all of a sudden I had to take this, like, odd, deep breath, and I was just like, uh, what the hell is that, it was weird, you know, I never experienced, I wasn't short of breath, though, I kept trying to explain to the doctors that, and the, uh, Whoever would listen, it wasn't a shortness of breath. It was this necessity to take a deep breath. So I woke up that morning, figuring I still had it. I'm like, let me go to the gym. Felt like it was a lung thing, or not? I think it was just unexplainable. But it felt like I just needed to continuously take these deep, fulfilling breaths. Okay. So I went to the gym, trained for like two hours, still there, and um, I wound up saying, you know, let me go to a chiropractor. Maybe I need an adjustment or something went and did that and at that time I had weighed the most I had ever weighed. To put it in perspective I was 375 pounds but I graduated I, high school at 165. So you got this way, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, through an injury? Was that through it's, it started, like I always said, I graduated high school at 165 right. and slowly, 
somehow started putting on weight and was walking around at like 195. Okay. And then in 05, I broke my leg in 12 places in a brutal skiing accident. Uh, I mean, I did a 360 degree spin with non breakaway bindings. The brake was so loud that they heard it in the uh, you ski. You look like a, a G.I. Joe figure. A G.I. Joe figure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It was brutal, man, and I knew right away that I destroyed my leg, and it didn't heal right, and then one year later in 2006, it broke through again. Um, I had this really bad compound fracture, so I was like laid up for three years, and I wound up going from, it, it was like, I don't know, 205 at the time to literally like 360 pounds. Wow. This was all out in uh, New York? In New York on Long Island. And slowly but gradually, the weight climbed. So, you know, pushing forward to 2014, so I, I go to the hot, I wound up, the chiropractor does this thing on me and he says, you know, I think you're on congestive heart failure. I'm like, what? Because he looked, just looked at my weight and my ankles. They were so swollen. So he said, go to the ER. I was like, all right, I feel fine. Other than that, and I go to the ER, and uh, surprisingly, they do all these tests, blood tests, EKG, everything. Everything looks fine. And the doctor there, the ER heart, the, the ER cardiologist said, just because you wait, let's do a, a catheterization. For those that don't know who that is, they send a, it's called an angiogram, where they literally send a camera up your arteries. Oh wow! Through your heart. How do they snake that up there? Is that they do it through vein? the wrist. Oh, that's a it's pretty far. That's yeah, far. they do it far, far or they do it through the groin, which is and which, you feel it. Which way did you go? <laughs> the first time they did it in the wrist. You did it in the wrist. You're in like, the wrist. Look, we'll we'll save the groin for, for part two. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but it happened twice though. So. I wound up going and they're like, let's just do that. And it's a really, it's actually a non-invasive procedure. You're not out cold or anything. You're you up for the whole thing. Much. They just numb you up a little bit and you feel this vibration going. You feel it going through you and they say you're going to feel heat and that's the dye. So they shoot this dye through you and they start taking pictures. And I remember laying, they were cranking Led Zeppelin. So we were a pretty cool cardiologist and I was just chilling. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. Right. And the cardiologist says, holy shit. I said, what's up? He goes, you got three clogged arteries. No, you got, no. He says, you got two clogged arteries. I go, holy fuck. fuck. Are you kidding me? He goes, we're going to put a stent in e either artery. I said, all right, done. Okay. So they said to me, the breathing thing that you're having will go away immediately. So remember that night, I'm still in the hospital. My boys came down. They brought me like a green drink. You know, drinking my green drinks always did. Right, right. And the breathing thing didn't oh, go so away. So you've been drinking, you doing the green drink. I've been doing the green drink, yeah, forever. Okay. You know, but when you do that with pizza, right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> pizza, <laughs> pizza, cake, drink. and green drinks. <laughs> Not gonna do much. Not gonna do much. I mean, maybe it slowed a little bit of what I was happening to me down a little bit, but I don't know. <clears throat> so, I go home the next day, and the breathing thing doesn't go away. Two weeks pass, fucking breathing thing is still there. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So my boy was like, let's just go to the hospital to make sure. So we wound up going to another hospital in Long Island. They do the same thing to me, and they say they find another clogged artery that they missed at South Nassau, and they put two stents in there. So I got three clogged arteries with four stents. Jeez. Jesus, right? 
So I'm like, all right, that's gonna kill the breathing thing. What happens next day? Breathing thing is still right there. Back. Nope. And I'm like, I'm like, this is not an artery problem. And I start doing some homework, and I realize I have a hiatal hernia, and anxiety in the hiatal hernia caused this condition. So, and so break down the hiatal hernia for people out there. The hiatal hernia is a like a, any other hernia but this one like pushes up into the esophagus okay and that and it could actually put pressure on your lungs and make you feel like you need to breathe, breathe. give you incredibly bad like heartburn it feels like you're having a heart attack and it puts pressure on the lungs too so between that and anxiety that just i it saved my life accidentally how, how did you uh how did you keep your faith in the whole western medical system after you learned that i mean you did a better job researching on your condition than uh than a medical doctor a trained medical doctor is just like good question <laughs> <laughs> well to be honest with you um i always was i always had that mindset that the body could always heal itself and i always knew that taking control of your own health was far more important so i mean i and i always believed that a balance of western and eastern um medicine was very very important good balance you were were well into uh eastern medical or like alternative medical practices even well before the scenario i was interestingly enough when i broke my leg in 05 and 06 i had gained all this weight and 2008, I went to go see a cardiologist, and they're like, you're really inflamed, you, can, you, you need to do something. So I, this is November of 2008, and I, and I went to the Hippocrates Health Institute, which is a raw food institute in Florida, and I spent six weeks there. And in those six weeks, I dropped like 60 pounds. I ate only raw food, and I was doing like, you know, just doing tremendous, did a total tremendous transformation. And that's where I met my this woman her name was Kelly and she had stage 4 breast cancer when I met her oh wow so and she was at the institute she was at the institute too so we fell in love there but probably not the best you probably don't want to fall in love with someone who has stage 4 breast cancer because they are going to die um you know really she was just at the end of her ropes but we wound up sticking it out for two years and she wound up passing away, and that's when I moved to LA in 2011. She, her passing inspired that? She, yeah, it was kind of a, basically while she was passing, she was basically like, go to LA, there's nothing, it's a more, it's a very complicated story that we can get into another time, but I wound up coming to LA, and that's where I just let go again. So I was in a much healthier time then but then I started I mean I started letting go back because I moved to North Carolina to be with her right. and after the first year I started like falling into a bit of a depression and just not caring anymore I just didn't care about my health um, started putting on that weight more and more and more and just wound up coming to LA and just topping out at like 375 pounds and and this is uh just all prior to finding out about the, the artists yeah we'll say that came out here in 2011 and just basically smoked pot and ate f- 
for the first two years, 11, 2011 to 2013, and then 2013, I started making real, real, you know, real big moves. Mm-hmm. You know, started I produced a movie, started right. doing all sorts of things. What I wanted to do in, right. in entertainment, and that's when 2014 came, and I went home, and this is when all this shit hit me, hit the fan, okay. new. Right. If I didn't, I'll, uh, interestingly enough, that think if my friend doesn't pass away, I don't come back to New York. I right. probably don't start to get severe anxiety, which triggered all of the breathing thing. Okay. I probably would never have found out I had three clogged arteries. Due to stress. Due wow. to stress, and probably six months later, I would have died of a massive heart attack. And and uh, and so to place it, so then you met you met her, uh, and she had that impact in your life, I guess, in 2010 or. 2008 we met 2008 yeah and then she passed November of 2008 2011 she passed in in July yeah okay and then and then immediately after you decided to come out here I actually moved to LA while she was about to head into hospice care yeah and she had an ex-husband that didn't know about me um, yeah, it was. She was down south, Baptist. Very. It was a very awkward situation, and it would not have been a good thing for me to stay down there. Okay. Like I said, it's a it's a bit of a complicated story, and for those of you who've ever been to North Carolina in the Bible Belt, um, white, Italian. Well, not white. I was say Italian. Christian, but Italian Catholics Catholic. who drive Cadillacs, who have tattoos, are not that welcome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, legit. So, I was a caught in this dilemma. It's like, I need to protect her. Um, honor, kind of honor and protect, you know, who she is. And her husband was a brutal, brutal, like, fucking piece of crap. Oh, wow. Raped her. Wow. Raped her while she was had two strokes while she was literally passed out in the hospital. And she did everything she could to get away from him, but he also said, you know, if I ever find out that you were ever with anyone, like I'm gonna destroy your image, your children are gonna I'm gonna let them know you're a whore, like all these things. I'm wow, like, that's incredible, man. Incredible was terrible. So like he basically He let she was doing actually very well. When we left Hippocrates, she had through the Eastern medicine, through raw food, detox, everything, she reduced her tumors by 50%. Right. Now, I'm not saying that she would have beat it, but what I am saying, she could still be alive today. If she would have embraced that fully, got the divorce, he would have just stayed out of her life and just let her be peaceful. I mean, I mean, I think uh, uh, the key to a long life is relationships. I think we had that discussion yeah. before, like good, good quality relationships, like... Uh, they, they say like a lot of times like not even uh, you know you I mean obviously you got to take care of yourself and, and not gorge on pizza like nightly but like uh, just once a month once a month not so bad <laughs> but uh but that but that personal relationships and, and yeah. that sort of thing is, is what uh deeply affects the length of our life. I agree a hundred percent because I know it affected hers, it took hers. Right. So when I first came into her life, you know, that love that she felt I know affected hers and our Probably and mine. gave her a couple of years. Gave her a couple of years, but her husband was dead set on taking her life. Wow. I mean when she was going through her divorce, I mean every single day she was served with something new, another subpoena to check her 
emails, check her text messages, phone calls, bills, receipts, oh every single day was just something new. And he made it clear, I will ruin you. I mean, he cut off her health insurance, tried to kick her out of the house. She's got stage four breast cancer, taking care of two little children. Oh my gosh. So that was, you know, an important thing that I had left early. And I got to say my piece right. when, I, when I had to. And, you know, I've been back to her gravesite twice since then. Um, anytime, any chance I get, I can. But that that took my health in a completely different... Right. So, I mean, that, that definitely... Uh, uh, I mean, because you, you went in there with the with the knowledge of a, of, of, a, of a new diet or this you know the lifestyle uh, lifestyle sure. and um, alternative way of doing things how many different things have you done like uh, since that point was that the first sort of introduction to uh, to alternative uh, health care or um, preventative health care I think that I've always been um I've always been very attracted to this idea that the body can heal itself. From from a young age. From a young age. And that, and that comes with being interested in martial arts. Yeah, I mean, really interested in martial arts. I remember my father was a fighter. Fighting was very important in my family. Although I had the, like an artist side, my mother died when I was 12. So, like, I always feel like um, I had more of my mother's side than my father's side. Um, so that was the artist in me, but fighting was very important, um, self-defense, so sort of boxing at a young age, martial arts, and very uh, enamored with Bruce Lee. <laughs> I was like a, this weird 12-year-old with a, with a, um, my closet was like dedicated to him. I had this like weird candles and this like Buddha statue and, you know, it was really <laughs> with weird. With the nunchucks? With, yeah, with everything, man, and I just... Just loved the way that he thought because he was he was an artist himself. He definitely was. And um, philosopher. philosopher. And I always loved the way a lot of these old fighters thought that they were, you know, you knock someone down, you, you don't want to kick someone when they're down. And I felt that was a much stronger representation of except who the, you were. Except when you're Bruce. In that case, you're just going to stomp on his you gotta, chest. Yeah, for, in a movie. Crack his ribs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. With a, with a twist, uh, you know what I mean? But his old, tra like the old kung fu training and... Right. The, you know, those... The, the that, way of honor. Yeah, the, uh, the way of honor through the Asian culture, you know? And even just growing up watching the old Clint Eastwood movies and John Wayne. Right. You know, they just had a certain type of honor the way they fought. They, they, they fought, but at the same time, they revered, like, they had a reverence for life. And they did, but they had a respect yeah. for their enemy, yeah. though, also. Yeah. But they were fighting for real shit, not because someone stole my sneakers, you know? Right. You know, in the hood, but... Um, so there was always this connection to Asian culture. And I always remember studying, you know, kind of mind over matter... Um, very the, the interested monks. yeah very interested in that philosophy and always truly believed in it understanding and knowing that you know how strong uh, the psychosomatic effect is and then how we could make ourselves sick and we could also make ourselves heal just through the just through prayer did you uh, did you come upon books was it was it books that started getting you yeah more I mean, and more towards that direction for or? sure you know what being were some, younger, some authors uh, 
Oh man, I couldn't even remember going back that far, but I remember there was um, one book I read years ago called The Road Less Traveled. Um, I forget the name of the author, but it was that wrote that it was from, by a psychologist, and he spoke a lot about you know the psychosomatic effect and how important positive energy is and positive thinking. He was like the alchemist of the 80s. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then also the laws of attraction. Oh, is that uh Oh, that's the, the classic law of attraction, the secret? Yeah, it's like the secret laws of attraction. It just makes sense. Dr. Braden. Um, oh, Greg Braden. Greg Braden, the yep, this, yep, the science of miracles. And those things became very deeply, you know, instilled into me. Total belief system. Like, you have the power to change and reverse everything that's happening in your body, especially through, you know, boosting your immune, immunity. And now look what they're doing with cancer. Right. Super Re- immune almost therapy. Almost reversing it. Almost reversing it, yeah. Major stuff. I mean, in some stuff. cases, just like with, with, the, with the Greg Braden. I, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that video where it's like, they got in China. Like, yep. And they're just like uh, willing the the tumor away the tumor away completely exactly so that's really amazing but after I found I had these clogged arteries I said I have two choices I could just remain heavy right you know because I mean again I, I went from graduating high school as an athlete played sports surfed for you know my for years uh to be well over 300 to be almost 400 just letting myself go you know I still lived a good life I was still getting laid you know hooking up with hot chicks you know had a great great money condo on the beach so it didn't really affect my social life Right. So you're getting all your needs met. I was getting all my needs met, except my health needs, which are the most important. So I made a decision. I could either be a guy on drugs. I, I wish I met you on the way up, Danny. Uh, you no. did. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it's not the way down, no, man. No, you're good. You're good. This is the second up. This is the second win. Yeah. This is actually. A, you want to hear a funny story or just a little intercut here? Right. I remember being really young, saying I was going to come into myself in my forties. Now I'm talking about when I was 8, 9, 12, 16, and now I'm just, you know, recently into my 40s, and it's actually happening. The wisdom is coming into play. Um, but the thing that really hit me was reading Dr. Esselstyn's book, How to Cure and Reverse and Prevent Heart Disease. Right. And that is this, where... And this was... Uh pretty recent right? this is a uh, recent stuff 2014 I would say yeah I would say for the first year I immediately decided to I have to make a lifestyle change but I was jumping around do I do paleo do I do vegan do I do vegetarian you, you tried a bunch of I things. tried a bunch of them and I lost you know like 30 or 40 pounds in that first year as you were saying like the yo-yo diet like yo-yo it was, dieting it was yo-yo diet but I wasn't trying to diet I was trying out <laughs> lifestyle so I try to look at it a little differently because okay. I wasn't trying to do like let me what go get slim fast yeah. yeah so I studied a bunch of stuff one of the things that I studied was the um, the blood type diet right so what I did was I took some of the ideas from the blood type diet are you RH negative um oh Positive. You're all positive. Oh, you know what that means, right? 
I mean, you got one of the rarest type of bloods. Well, with old, no, not the rarest, oldest. Oldest. Most of the one of the most common types of blood. Oh, okay, I totally yeah. fucked that up. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really. You just run the opposite end of the spectrum. Are they, uh, but you got the rhesus monkey gene. Yeah, we've got the monkey gene. We, I am the Neanderthal. Interesting. Yeah, so Interesting. we love to eat meat. Hey, um, take notes, ladies. Take notes, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like to eat meat, ladies? No, <laughs> oh, no you didn't. <laughs> no, but um, I started, I started. interestingly enough, I learned a lot about the O-type, O-blood type, and the things that affect my body negatively and positively, and I went and got some food allergy tests. Everything that the book said was spot on. Everything from gluten to sugar inflammation, no dairy, no gluten. And then I also took everything I learned from Dr. Esselstein and I combined the two. And since then, so it's been two years since that time, and I'm down close to 100 pounds. And I'm taking a sl the slow route, I'm not looking and to burn 50 pounds overnight. Here's the uh, getting to more important questions. Yeah. When's the last time you've had? Like a real Italian dinner, like Nona's, like special lasagna with like you know, well, you know like I cook, premier right? platti and sec you, oh you cook. Yeah, I cook, and it wasn't too are you, long ago. Are you a are you a certified chef? I'm or? not a certified chef, but I'm a great cook. Great cook. Yeah, and one of my specialties is something called a sweet sweet my sweet baked ziti. Sweet baked ziti. Yeah, with powdered sugar. Okay. So I'd say I live the plant-based lifestyle 98% of the times, and every once in a while, you go in. I'll indulge, but I don't binge eat. I don't go crazy. Like the other night, me and my girl were in Vegas. <laughs> okay. We went to Ruth Chris. We split a steak. We split a dessert. Not bad. We had some uh, steamed broccoli and some shrimp. No, that's actually really good. Really. Yeah. Not crazy, but. When, to reverse, this is important, to reverse the heart disease. Almost everything is reversible and curable. And if you catch it at the right time, the you could really be 100% like anybody else who's clean and healthy. And the plant-based lifestyle, eating tons of greens every single day. Like you saw, I came here yeah. with my two green drinks. Right. And I eat, um, you know, for lunch I had a, a quinoa, vegetable soup with the big salad you know you know everything is plant-based that is what's going to clear the plaque that is going to um strengthen the artery walls the endothelial walls um all of that stuff is going to strengthen your arteries it's going to clear out the plaque it's going to strengthen your heart resistance training um exercise the 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 uh the type of the running that i do the boxing that we would do um, was so important to strengthening the heart. And, and so let's go into uh, <coughs> your uh, the philosophy of choosing uh, carbohydrates over fats. Okay. Uh, uh, how's that all worked out? Well, it's in, a great, interesting question because everyone you talk to wants to lose weight. They cut carbs. Right. Everyone and I, for the last year, didn't cut carbs. I ate healthy carbs okay. sweet potatoes healthy breads healthy carbs and I lost weight and what was most more important is that I was so what about so like uh, gluten free mostly gluten free like Ezekiel bread right. um, gluten free breads um, but 
what was most important was I was always satisfied. I never need felt the need to binge or um, I never felt that I never craved. And you cut out fats completely? I didn't cut out fats. I kept the fats like they were the healthy fats. So no dairy, no cheeses, nothing like that. You know, the science behind it, if you read Dr. Esselstyn's book, um, Dr. Esselstyn talks about two things. One, carbohydrates will not cause heart disease. And healthy carbohydrates will not make you fat if you're eating the right food. So when you combine, though, the healthy carbs, or combine any carbohydrate with a heavy fat, that's where the fat accumulates. Okay. Um, I mean, he's got 20, 35, 40 years of studies. You know, this is a major cardiologist at the Cleveland um, Health, Cleveland Heart Clinic. And, you know, he's got 35, 40 years of clinical studies showing that people that eat diets that are high in fat, but, but animal fat and high animal protein um, have a much, much higher risk of um, heart disease and heart and um, plaque buildup and cancer and people that came to him with um, heart disease I mean advanced heart disease so doing his clinical studies you know he put half on your standard diet and then the other half with medication the other half no medication with a very strict plant-based diet and within nine days you're starting to see plaque reduction, audio, uh, the artery walls starting to strengthen, open back up, open back up all of these things. Um, it's really interesting because I just came upon a, a book um, I haven't completed. I just uh, kind of got uh, skimmed through it and then uh, watched and listened to a bunch of things on it. Yeah. Uh, but it's called the China Study. Yes, yes. Hey, that's Doctor. Um, who was who did that? Not I think was it McDougal or Campbell? I think it's Campbell. Campbell. Doctor yeah. Campbell was part of writing that. Well, that's how he met him and Esselstyn met during the writing of that book. Oh wow! So yeah. these guys, these, their their research is. Uh, fairly conjoined though. yeah because the China study is like it's it's there's a scientific element to it right but no clinical studies they right. basically just going around the world and just reviewing diets diets basically yeah. and then what was interesting was that Esselstein was able to scientifically back up through his clinical studies for 35 40 years what dr. Campbell started on was started on so yeah I mean obviously this I, I believe the, the China study is pretty relevant. I think so. I mean, uh, it's also interesting to that, like, I read a fact uh, uh, in the book that it's like just by our digestive digestive tracking alone, like, uh, it's it's long, it's it's complicated. It's not it's not like a, a carnivore's digestive tract. Where yeah, it's just gonna like take something in quickly, uh, quickly like uh, uh, you know. Uh, break it down and then and then shit it out. It is a complicated process, and what I what I've read and have, and believe, I think that humans are like the the perfect creature because I think we were built to consume anything when necessary. Right. So there's a time where you know people lived on the planet, all they had was animal fat and animal protein, and our bodies were able to consume and digest and pull nutrients, and then other areas of the earth or at you know when um 
you know, we, when we evolved and the earth evolved, you know, there was, there was very green, green pastures, green leaves, berries, and our bodies were able to consume. And, you know, so I think we're built, we, I mean, we can go from eating greens to junk food and our bodies will adapt, you know, but you can't eat junk food for 20 years and think no. it's going to be healthy. I, I was, uh, I was reading another thing, um, I think they just uh, they opened up the digest digestive tracking of a uh, uh, it's like a, a mummified uh, indigenous person like somewhere in the Americas like, yeah uh, some something around like five thousand years ago or whatever it was uh, but they were saying how like how disease resistant uh, this person would have been. Uh, just based on the fact that their fiber intake was something like you know like 50 times you know 70 times more than uh than your normal contemporary human like that's uh, the trick right it's the you fiber I mean? and uh and and also uh that that it was just like um what's the uh the uh the glycemic index of their food was like much lower much lower so well, they weren't eating the amounts of sugar i mean think about 30 grams of sugar or 50 grams of sugar in a coke in right. a bottle of coke and then think about what 50 grams of cocaine looks like that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, we, I've seen 50 grams of cocaine piled That's up. That's killed people. That's killed people. And we put that much in 12 or 16 ounces of soda and feed that to our you know, five-year-old kids, right. which is insane. So fiber is a big thing. You know, it's like what they say with, um, like, I, I'm a big juicer, but I never juice sugar. I never juice fruits. Right. Because all you get is the, is the fruit juice, which is full of, uh, uh, full of fructose, which is natural sugar, but you get no fiber. Nothing. And that was, they just did a really good um, study in the small little town in Sicily, and uh, they spoke about olive oil. And I believe that olive oil gets a really, really good name, but it's kind of health by association because typically people eating olive oil are also eating big salads and healthy foods, right? Right on. But what they were saying, though, oil is a, a, oil is a processed food. It's processed. Sure goes through a process to produce but when you eat an actual olive there's just that small amount of olive oil in the just the the amount that you need that you need but the olive also has the protective layer and the fibers so it becomes like a whole so it becomes a whole food so when they talk about eating whole foods so to get back to what you were talking about with fat so we all know the doc the atkins diet is um a very powerful weight loss diet but is it sustainable for 50 years so i'm at i'm only 43 and i want to live until you know i'm 100 and something i you're not gonna i don't believe that those research that i've done i don't think the paleo diet is sustainable because you see these paleo people if they're not in the gym every single day they get fat right you can't eat like that. You literally get fat, but vegans don't need to get into the gym ever. Well, it's it's funny. I've heard people tell me, like, bacon's paleo. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like, you're adding nitrates and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, well, seasoning you, and... 
I mean, it's it's. I guess technically it falls into the paleo category, because but it's, it's a, not healthy. It's just, it's just a, just a piece of piece of meat. Right. But how is a piece of bacon? It's like the fattiest. Right. And and just even if you're just not into, you know, um, even if you don't care about the animals that you eat, the pig is like one of the smartest. Creatures. Now, I can't. I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you I absolutely adore the taste of bacon. But that's the transformation. It's not just a physical, but it's a mental transformation. Yeah, going back to Long Island, we grew up on bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches. There's no better place on the planet than New York to get your classic bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh, on a bagel? Forget about it. On a bagel, you get your two nice eggs, you get your tons of cheese, you get your four or five pieces of bacon, slap on a piece of hand, slap on a piece of sausage, and that's a great sandwich. But that's part of the transformation. You can't eat. I can't eat like that anymore. And the fat is a kid. For me, the fat's going to kill me. It clogged my arteries. Healthy fats, though, now you see, you saw I ate a thing of nuts. Right. Walnuts, um, almonds, and pecans. Three of the healthiest nuts. Do you do any nuts. of the, like, the udo oils or the, the coconut oils or anything? I used like that? to do the coconut oil and olive oil. But I am religiously following what Dr. Esselstyn is saying. I would say almost religiously, although I've loosened up a little bit on the natural fats that are found in things like avocado, avocado and nuts okay. and peanut butter. Right. And I and I. You need some. You need some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But I don't believe, and I think the studies that they're showing now is the can't the sustained high levels of animal protein and protein from like the casein from milk are what really causes the tremendous amount of increase in inflammation in the body which increases your arteries to inflame which causes plaque buildup and you know i i was someone who had high cholesterol since he was eight so oddly enough so thank god i have that under control but i'm just not a you know i just you know the thing is i think you have to find something you believe in and just do it with with blind faith so i mean and, and that's interesting too because it's like um that that uh that's not just you know like uh diet centric it's like uh finding something in life that really that really propels you kind of pulls in all this other stuff like i mean there must have been something that uh you were working on like a personal project or a passion project that that you know that uh, lights the fire for you to keep alive and keep doing your thing and, and then and then at the same time commit to no more bacon egg and cheese sandwiches and like uh, there's got to be a, another thing that you focus on uh, that that makes you want to do these sorts of things to, to, you know what I'm saying like, yeah I mean we enjoy living I right. love I'm um, if you read, you have a zest for life. I have a zest for life. I'm I'm very curious about life. But what about like, uh, is there a creative or a uh, a creative project or like a personal project that you are? I think it's more like a personal uh, quest. Um, my vision quest. So I've always was an artist, but I always tell the story about growing up. Um, I hung out with a bunch of guys that were like what you would consider the you know bad guys and uh, you know I think being an artist or in the drama club or um, 
being an actor or something like that just really wasn't cool. We partied in high school big time, and uh, we were all athletes, um, but you know we were also dropping acid in high school every day and smoking weed, and and it wasn't cool to be an artist then. And I regret not pursuing it as much as I did until um, in high school. Um, I always knew I wanted to come to Hollywood eventually. I was always a very good writer. I wrote poems, um, short stories, and I play musical instruments. I'm a great singer, but I never pursued the, those things when I should have. You know, when you're 15, you start to really embrace those things, not at, you know, 38. And, right. You know, so now I'm, you know, here. Well, it was a different and, time, though, in those days. Like the 80s, right? Like It was, yeah. I mean, I was born in 73. So, yeah, you know, but I mean, listen, I could have done a lot of things, but, but after high school, I went to college and, you know, I started taking acting classes and this is when I started to pursue it. But then I got into business. I became a stockbroker, you know, making 150 grand a year just seemed to be more important. And now money's not important to me, even though I make good money and I do great, money's irrelevant. I'd rather be poor and happy than rich and miserable. But I, you know, being in Hollywood, I'm here as a filmmaker. Uh, it's my passion now. Right. Um, it's my creative outlet. Um, and I, you know, I started a, my company, and you know, we produced our first big film with these great actors. And now we're just doing, you know, that's my passion now, and giving back like the charity organization, you know, that I started. And then that all started from writing, or. That started just from the passion to create. But as I was creating, what I realized being in L.A. is that no one really cares about anyone. You could find your small pockets of people that want to be near you. Half of them want to be near you to help you excel their careers, and the other half are genuine. But very few people are genuine in this town, and they don't want to give back. Um... I mean, everyone, I mean, some some do, some really do, but for the most part, they'll walk over your dead body. No problem. And I just, that's when I started um, a division in my, my media company that was dedicated to philanthropic work. Very important. You know, we took on the cause of homelessness. Is, and this is the, uh, uh, the street... Uh, we are the streets.org, the streets. yeah. Uh, yeah. How long have you been doing that for now? Well, we've been organizing it probably for about five months now. Okay. Very big undertaking. And it's a different, unique approach to dealing with the homeless. And it's about helping them express their creative side. Okay. Bringing aspiring filmmakers together with them. It's a film festival. So the filmmakers meet, go out into their community. That's another thing that I wanted to challenge filmmakers. Like, hey, it's not just about grabbing three of your friends and, you know, right. making pretend that the world out there doesn't exist. Go out into the world. Meet strangers. Meet the most vulnerable of human beings and pull out of them the most precious of gifts. And that's the gift to create. Sure. I mean, uh, life itself is is, uh, is a lender of uh, of that particular. I mean, in particular, such a great uh, uh, story on its own. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. The, the way the way a life unfolds is just. You know, no one no one life is the same. No one life is the same. There's a there's a saying at the gym that uh, the wild card over it's a plaque above the the wall of the office. It says everyone's normal until you get to know them. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's uh, part of the big reason why I do this show too because you know 
you never know what you get when you crack open. Exactly. Well, I enjoy not being normal. I don't think I am. I mean, everything I write is from. I kind of de detest the word normal. I mean, yeah. Like, like, what is normal, really? You know, and there certainly are standards wherever you go. You know what I mean? That that society, I guess, wants to place on a person. But we don't have a beef with Hollywood and have for years. Because I always, I always say, the who controls the message controls the image. And you even see what's happening in our country today. Are we really that divided, or is it just the media telling us that we're that divided? You watch them all, all these big media companies just lying across the board. So they create a false narrative, they paint a different image, and they control the message. And then we think this is what's really happening when it's not, and this is might this might be happening when it's not. Which uh, which really I, I feel like uh, has opened things up for independent media. Now, yeah. Now people can actually uh, get a little like uh, ear to the street as to like what's really happening in the minds of the people. Well, like what you're doing, but I think it's important too for people to understand what what an antidotal like what antidotal evidence is. You can't the sum of a country is not defined off of one individual's personal experience. The definition of the sum of a group of people cannot be defined off of one person's individual experience. It just simply cannot. If we think so monolithically, then how the hell can we be a country united? We will just be segregated and divided into small little pockets, all fearing everyone. Which is my, probably what, what the higher-ups want, ultimately. Of course they do. Of course there's money in it. There's money in segregation. Exactly. So that's kind of my beef with Hollywood because, you know, as a film producer, filmmaker, own a management company, um, you know, we send a lot of actors out and it's always the same stereotypical role. And it's like, you know, it comes down to, well, the, you know, the international market doesn't want to buy this type of film with these people and these types of I mean it's the same it's it's really oh, yeah. a crappy situation you got, you got I think who's it uh, uh, is it Brad Pitt or Leo DiCaprio is gonna play like a major hero in the Great Wall of China or yes. something like that or yeah that's funny it's funny well they just did uh, what's her name that that actress uh beautiful woman she's in that that movie i believe you're talking about too where they digitally enhanced her face to look more asian oh uh scarlett, scarlett johansson, johansson. Uh, ghost in the shell yeah that's blackface basically oh it is yeah so why isn't that why isn't that being attacked I don't know, you know. Well, you know, certain people don't say don't say much, you know. I think it's because we're in a very Hollywood's very fake. Pseudo liberals, fake feminists. Ninety percent of them, they don't care about anyone but themselves. They're embold, they're they're empowered by the dollar. That's all they care. If Scarlett Johansson was a real feminist and a true liberal to its definition, she would have turned down that role. She said, absolutely not. I refuse to do that. Find a beautiful Asian actress. There's tons of them in Hollywood. Absolutely. So what does that say about our character? Oh well, it says it says a lot about it says a lot about American imperialism, and, 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 uh, white privilege, and that sort of thing. Sure. I mean, if you could look at it like that, but I like to look at the individual character because she could have taken a stance right there. 
her power in Hollywood could have made a stance and said absolutely not and if you put another person that doesn't fit the real characteristics in that role I will make a stink I will boycott the movie and I will crush this entire production I mean, there's, there's a uh, there's a a number of those examples right now I mean there's a I believe I believe uh, they want to they want to uh, appoint a white actor for the role of Rumi in a uh, in an epic about uh, about the uh, Afghani poet oh okay uh, there's uh, the, the gods of Egypt which all happen to be uh, um, like white British accented males yeah uh, there was a uh, uh, something kind of more recently about uh, uh, I can't I can't think of the off the top of the mind but even even the Lone Ranger itself like the story of the Lone Ranger yeah. is actually based on a on a black historical character oh really I don't know if you uh, I didn't know did not know that. well the movie bombs so. <laughs> the mo- <laughs> there you go yeah um, well you know the Here's my problem. I understand why they do it. Because white sells overseas. Very hard to sell minority overseas. It really is. And I'm not just talking about black. I'm talking Latino, Asian, white. The money and the investments come definitely, definitely on a in a in a in a universal broad broad sense. White definitely uh, definitely crosses uh, all those borders. But But why though? I think because it's uh, it's just what you're used to seeing. And who created that? At least uh, Hollywood. Definitely not media. Hollywood and the media created this image of what beautiful looks like, what normal is and what's acceptable and even if you go into the European countries the Asian country Asian countries they want to see white people sure they don't want to see Asian people I mean there's a handful the of their, one thing their I love about, about uh, European film though is at least they use ugly people like people that look like normal people you know what I mean like not no, they're just all ugly in Europe <laughs> not <joking. laughs> yeah no no you're right you're right you know you're 100% correct but we created a very different image here and in, I've, and I've said this so many times and I'm gonna say it and I don't care how many enemies I make Hollywood is the biggest liberal industry on the planet yet it's the most racist it's the most segregated it's the most sexist it's the most ageist and I could go it's the most homophobic I could go down the list sure okay I have a friend of mine that was a series regular on a very popular television show they found out he was gay he was cut from a series regular to a recurring and then they said do you want us to make your character gay I thought the gay thing elevates the no it's bullshit so and to me it's just when someone in Hollywood says they're liberal I don't believe them because I don't think they know what the definition of that is I'm liberal at the same time I'm a conservative I'm a real liberal I'm a real conservative so I'm like a libertarian you know everything you're in America man you better could do whatever the fuck you want to do if you ain't hurting anybody if you ain't robbing stealing raping you could marry whoever the fuck you want you could smoke whatever drug you want I don't give a shit but in Hollywood that's that's the the, the radical version of Americanism right like radical meaning root that, then it should be the root because 
who the hell are you to come and tell me? I see the far left and the far right as being one of the same. You're for um, uh, personal uh, uh, sovereignty of your own self. Of course. I mean, at the same time, a responsibility to country, a responsibility to neighbors, responsibility to city, state. Um, you know, I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper for sure. But you know, if I want to smoke a joint and marry a dude, nobody um, should say. No anything. one should say if I want to. You know, be a, if I'm a woman, I want to marry a woman. No one should say anything. It's not your business. Right. Stay the fuck out of my business. I stay the fuck out of you. Right. If I don't want to wear a seatbelt and I get wrapped around a tree and I die, it's not your business. I made that decision. Jeez, abortion. Abortion, I'm pro-choice, um, but it's not my first choice. Okay. I'm pro-choice because it's not... I'm pro-choice... Because it's really the woman's It's choice. the woman, but at the same time, if you get into that third trimester, it's, it's to me, I'm yeah. the, I agree with a, I agree with a term. Like, you know, if you're in your first term, the first three taking, months, yeah. after that, you know, I think you are taking a life. Yeah. You know, there are, there are, there are, there are radicals in this country that want fourth term abortions that's a little crazy a little much they will the baby will be born right and they just kill it because it's ugly or you know it has down syndrome oh no what type of a society are we living in that yeah, point backwards at yeah that point. it's just not it's just as my boy who who, who was killed in jail would say mind your own business <laughs> <laughs> That's a shout out to Johnny Gleason. Yo, mind your own business. Not your business, mind your own business. R.I.P. Johnny. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, not to swing too far off. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that's my Hollywood thing, you know. That's I'm right. fighting for that. Right. That's what I'm doing in my media company. I'm, I'm pushing heavily into the urban community. Pushing, you know, I want, I mean, I'm not as powerful as I, I will be in years to come, but I want to change the way the international market sees minorities in America. I want to see them. You know, I want them to like look what Have look what Snoop Dogg yeah. is doing. Right, he's got his own show with Martha Stewart. Yeah, what's that? He's uh, doing it. He's got some reality like cooking show or something okay. with Martha Stewart. He's gonna kill it. Okay. And what did Nick, him and Nick Cannon say just like a month ago? If we see another fucking slave movie, they're gonna fucking kill someone. Because what People is? Fed up. No, it's just like it's not the sum of who they are. In 2016, yeah, black people, black people have gone a lot yeah. further than slave movie. They're, they're presidents now. They're presidents. They're they're very wealthy business people. Yeah. They're doctors, lawyers, and you know who funds all most of those slave movies? Rich. <laughs> yeah, rich white liberals. I'll be honest with you, they're not rich white conservatives. They're out on the farm somewhere. Rich white pseudo liberals fund those and maybe they think they're doing something good but they're just perpetuating this idea that's a very dangerous idea and you have these you know these kids that grow up in the urban communities they wake up every day and they're told America hates you white people hate you the authorities hate you how the hell the how in the world can they accomplish in a world with all that baggage on them well, I mean, that that's just the, the tip of the iceberg of the things that, that shove down their throats, for sure. If you take two twins that are born in an urban, inner-city community, and you take one twin, and you put them into an all-ethnic home, it doesn't matter whatever home it is, but they are taught every day, the world is your oyster. No matter what you run into, 
It is up to you to accomplish. Self-reliance, independent, everything else is noise. Don't worry about the haters. The haters are going to hate. Don't hate. Do your thing and you could have anything. Work hard, believe, positive attitude. And then the other kid is fed the other crap. Who's going to be more successful? Oh, you're absolutely right. It's pragmatism. It's, uh, the soil is... Uh, is as important as the plant itself. You know? It's pragmatism. It's just, to me, I'm just all about results. And that, to me, is what I want to see results. I don't care about the past. I don't care about anything else. Even if there is um, systematic racism, the only way to change it is by putting people of color into places of power. And the only way you get into places of power is going out, working hard, and achieving. And so, and, and so there it is in terms of, like, uh, in terms of like your, uh, your personal journey. Uh, as you were saying, earlier uh, to kind of sum up things uh, that your 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 personal journey or your journey in life or your your uh, your quest as you put it uh, really really I guess fuels you day to day it really does fuel me I wake up every day going I want to make a difference you know I want to transform lives I want to create amazing art and I have my family I've got my nieces and nephews that I want to grow old for I've got my girlfriend now who I love right. my girl Jenny who I believe you've met. Never met. You never met her. Yeah. Um, Heard a lot about her. She's great half Korean, only. half French. Yeah, only great only things. Great things. <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing. She's an amazing singer. Um, right. She's self-made, talented. talented. She's an opera singer, right? Opera singer, but also an amazing. Um, um, uh, well, that well, she's all she does all types of singing, and she's just she full ride in all these different schools for opera. But now she's training herself to sing, you know, uh, pop, and she's amazing at it. And she's got her own YouTube channel and you know social media following, and she runs her own business. Where could uh, where could people follow you and her? Um, you could find her Jenny Lynn Chung, Jenny Lynn Chung on. Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and you could find me at Dan Costanzo in LA on uh, YouTube, Instagram, Danny Costan uh, Dan Costanzo in LA, I believe, on Facebook, or Danny Costanzo on Facebook. And Costanzo Media is my company. And then you got a .com as well, right? CostanzoMedia.com. And right. under there, you'll see all my divisions and everything that we're doing, etc. But, you know, I'm not looking to do anything other than just help people transform lives, transform my own life, and just be a inspiration to others. Uh, and people should reach you if they... People should reach out to you if they. Yeah, if people want have any, if anyone has any questions about what I'm doing with my own health, about how I'm clearing my arteries, how I'm getting healthy, man, you could email me at Danny at CostanzoMedia.com. C O S T A N Z O, and I'll answer any question that you know. Oh, my blog too. I have DannyCostanzo.com. That's where I put post all my videos and we do comedy videos health articles, film, all the film stuff that we're doing, um, which is really awesome. Lost in Austin, we just shot with Craig Robinson, Linda Cardellini, uh, Ursula Parker, um, who, uh, Patrick Warburton, Skeet Ulrich, I mean, Man, Christian gotta, Shaw. Sounds like we'll have a lot to talk about for another episode. I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. Must have been a hell of a time working with Craig.
Craig Robinson, I'm sure. Craig's awesome. Um, you know, just love working with him. He was super cool. Right on. But a bunch of great people. You know, we just started, we just developed a, 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 a web series called Stereotype Therapy, which is really funny because we play with all the stereotypes. So, right, right. You know, we're, it's a comedy, so we're attacking that. So we're having ton, tons of fun. Awesome. Doing it our way. Awesome, awesome. Well, it was a real pleasure talking to you, Danny. You got it, my man. Um, we'll definitely have to do this again and, uh, and broaden the, the subject base. Uh, sure. Because it sounds like uh, we could go forever. We could go forever. Right on, my man. All right, man. You have a good one. You too. Later.